Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning and welcome everybody to the Sunday edition of Manna for Breakfast. Hopefully, if you've been with us live, you've been able to jump over and enjoy the edited version uh, that our editors work so hard on for Manna for Breakfast. Thank you. Please subscribe. Let other people know. So we are in today, Exodus 27, 28, the rest of Mark 1 this morning. And hopefully you guys are having a wonderful, wonderful day. We're still enjoying the sun as we're coming out of all the rainy week we had here. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time. I ask you to guide us and direct us. We look into your word as you always do. In Jesus' name, amen. Exodus 27, verse 1. And you shall make the altar of acacia wood five cubits long, five cubits wide. The altar shall be square, and its height shall be three cubits. You shall make its horns on its four corners. Its horns shall be of one piece with it, and you shall overlay it with bronze. You shall make its pails for removing its ashes and its shovels and its basins and its forks and its fire pans. You shall make all its utensils of bronze. You shall make for it a grating of network of bronze. And on the net, you shall make four bronze rings at its four corners. You shall put it under the ledge of the altar so that the net will reach halfway up the altar. You shall make poles for the altar poles of acacia wood, and overlay them with bronze. Its poles shall be inserted into the rings so that the poles shall be on the two sides of the altar when it is carried. You shall make it hollow with planks as it was shown to you on the mountain so that you shall make it. You shall make the court of the tabernacle on the south side there shall be hanging on the court of fine twisted linen, 100 cubits long for one side, and its pillars shall be 20 with their 20 sockets of bronze. The hooks of the pillars and their bands shall be of silver. Likewise, for the north side, in length there shall be hanging 100 cubits long and its 20 pillars with their 20 sockets of bronze. The hooks of the pillars and their bands shall be of silver. For the width of the court on the west side shall be hangings of 50 cubits with their 10 pillars and their 10 sockets. The width of the court on the east shall be 50 cubits. The hangings for the one side of the gate shall be 15 cubits with their three pillars and their three sockets. And for the other side shall be hangings of 15 cubits with their three pillars and their three sockets. For the gate of the court, there shall be a screen of 20 cubits of blue and purple and scarlet material and fine twisted linen, the work of a weaver with their four pillars and their four sockets. All the pillars around the court shall be finished with silver bands with their hooks of silver and their sockets of bronze. The length of the court shall be 100 cubits and the width 50 throughout. The height five cubits and of fine twisted linen and their sockets of bronze. All the utensils of the tabernacle used in all its service and all its pegs and all the pegs of the court 
shall be of bronze. You shall charge the sons of Israel that they bring you clear oil and beaten olives for the light to make the lamp burn continually. In the tent of meetings outside the veil, which is before the testimony, Aaron and his sons shall keep it in order from evening till morning before the Lord. It shall be a perpetual statute throughout the generations for the sons of Israel. Exodus chapter 28. Then bring near to yourself Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him, and among the sons of Israel to minister as priests to me, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, Eliasar, Ithamar, Aaron's sons. You shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. You shall speak to all the skillful persons whom I have endowed with the spirit of wisdom that they make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister as a priest to me. These are the garments which they shall make, a breastpiece and an ephod and a robe and a tunic of checkered work, a turban and a sash, and they shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, and his sons, that he may minister as a priest to me. They shall take the gold and the blue and the purple and the scarlet material and the fine linen. They shall also make an ephod of gold, of blue and purple and scarlet material, and fine twisted linen, the work of a skillful workman. It shall have two shoulder pieces joined to its two ends, and it shall be joined. The skillfully woven band which is on it shall be like its workmanship of the same material of gold, of blue, of purple, of scarlet material, and fine twisted linen. You shall take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel, six of their names on one stone, and the names of the remaining six on the other stone, according to their birth. As a jeweler engraves a signet, you shall engrave the two stones according to the names of the sons of Israel. You shall set them as a filigree setting of gold. You shall put the two stones on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as stones of memorial for the sons of Israel. And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders for memorial. Verse 13, you shall make filigree settings of gold, the two chains of pure gold. You shall make them on twisted cordage work and shall put the corded chains on the filigree settings. You shall make a breastpiece of judgment, the work of a skillful workman, like the work of the ephod. You shall make it of gold and a blue and a purple of scarlet material, fine twisted linen. You shall make it. It shall be square and folded a double, a span in length and a span in width. You shall mount on it four rows of stones, the first row shall be a row of ruby, topaz, and emerald. The second row, turquoise, sapphire, and diamond. Third row, jacinth of agate and amethyst. The fourth row, beryl and onyx and jasper. And they shall be set in gold filigree. The stones shall be according to the names of the sons of Israel, twelve according to their names. They shall be the engravings of a seal, each according to the name of the twelve tribes. You shall make... On the breastpiece, chains of twisted cordage work in pure gold. You shall make on the breastpiece two rings of gold. I shall put two rings on the two ends of the breastpiece. You shall put the two cords of gold on the two rings at the ends of the breastpiece. You shall put the other two ends of the two cords on the two filigree settings and put them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod at the front of it. You shall make two rings of gold shall place them on the two ends of the breastpiece on the edge of it. 
which is toward the inner side of the ephod. You should make two rings of gold and put them on the bottom of the two shoulder pieces of the ephod and on the front of it, close to the place where it is joined above the skillfully woven band of the ephod. They shall bind the breast pieces by the rings of the rings of the ephod with the blue cord so that it will be on a skillfully woven band of the ephod and that the breast piece will not come loose from the ephod. Aaron shall carry the names of the sons of Israel and the breast piece of the judgment over his heart when he enters the holy place for memorial before the Lord continually. He shall put in the breast piece of the judgment the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be over Aaron's heart when he goes in before the Lord, and Aaron shall carry the judgment of the sons of Israel over his heart before the Lord continually. You shall make the robe of the ephod all of blue. There shall be an opening at the top in the middle of it. Around its opening there shall be a binding of woven work like the opening of a coat of mail, so that it will be not be torn. You shall make on its hem pomegranates of blue and purple and scarlet material all around on its hem, and bells of gold between them all around. The golden bells and the pomegranate and the blue bell and the pomegranate all around them on the hem of the robe. It shall be on Aaron when he ministers, and its tinkling shall be heard when he enters and leaves the holy place before the Lord, so he will not die. You shall also make a plate of pure gold and shall engrave on it like the engravings of a seal holy to the Lord. You shall fasten it on a blue cord, and it shall be on the turban, and shall be at the front of the turban. It shall be on Aaron's forehead, and Aaron shall take away the iniquity of the holy things which the sons of Israel consecrate with regard to all their holy gifts, and it shall always be on his forehead, that they may be accepted before the Lord. You shall weave the tunic of checkered work of fine linen, and shall make a turban of fine linen, and you shall make a sash the work of a weaver. For Aaron's sons, you shall make tunics, you shall also make sashes for them, and you shall make caps for them of glory and of beauty. You shall put them on Aaron, your brother, and on his sons with them, and you shall anoint them and ordain them and consecrate them that they may serve me as priests. You shall make for them linen breeches to cover their bare flesh. They shall reach from the loins even to their thighs. They shall be on Aaron and on his sons when they enter the tent of meeting or when they approach the altar to minister in the holy place so that they do not incur guilt and die. It shall be a statute forever to him and to his descendants after him. (laughs) I mentioned yesterday how difficult I would have thought it would have been to manufacture gold in the desert and also all of these panels of acacia wood but think about it, they have to weave all of these fabrics together and they have to find the right material. They have to be dyed and they have to make the gold rings. Then they have to do engraving in the stones. How do you do engraving? We always think of a little Dremel. I guess it's micro chiseling. How did they do engraving on the stones, on small stones? And then connect that to the ephod. Uh, just quite astounding. How did God bring to them the Urim and the Thummim? All of this is carefully placed onto the priest. He's to go before the Lord bearing 
the 12 names of the tribes to bring their iniquity essentially to intercede for them. And here we see that Jesus as our great high priest is the one who does the same. He bears our names close to his heart. And we see how he is robed and his majesty. And of course, his robes are dipped in blood for us, for our redemption. And yet we as his priests then, after receiving all that forgiveness and all that work of salvation, become like his sons in one sense. We ourselves are clothed, but not with the garments that they had of blue. We are clothed with his righteous robe. Everything that he has, he gives to us, and he anoints us to go and minister before him. Quite astounding, quite amazing, and quite beautiful. And of course, all of these things we're reading about have deep typological meanings, if you want to go into each one of these things that we look at. But uh, we'll move on. We're in Mark chapter 1, and we're picking up in verse 23, where it says, Just then there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. Throwing him into convulsions, the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice and came out of him. They were all amazed, so that they debated among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits. And they obey him. Immediately, the news about him spread everywhere into all the surrounding district of Galilee. 29. And immediately after they came out of the synagogue, they came into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever, and immediately they spoke to Jesus about her. And he came to her and raised her up, taking her by the hand, and the fever left her, and she waited on them. When evening came, after the sun had set, they began bringing to him all who were ill and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city had gathered at the door, and he healed many who were ill with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he was not permitting the demons to speak because they knew who he was. In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Simon and his companions searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said, Let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby so that I may preach there also, for that is what I came for. And he went into the synagogues throughout all Galilee, preaching and casting out the demons. And a leper came to Jesus, beseeching him and falling on his knees before him, saying, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. And he sternly warned him and immediately sent him away. And he said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the news around to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city but stayed out in unpopulated areas, and they were coming to him from everywhere. It's so strange Jesus would tell a guy, don't say anything about your healing. <laughs> I mean, we can understand because Jesus knew what would happen, but we can also understand how this man cleansed the leopard could not help himself. He had to go tell people. And, and essentially this is where yeah, I see God's 
amazing grace at work. How can you hold back the touch of the master's hand who comes upon you and cleanses you, whether it be of leprosy, whether it be of sin, of depression and everything else and of guilt and everything else we carry around that we're contaminated with. And now go tell people. He was so overjoyed. There was such a difference. I mean, we see in this the power that Jesus has over infirmity, but also just over the condition of life that we're in. We can be so bogged down and feel so contaminated ourselves, but we get touched and everything turns around. We become clean. We become healed. And we see God do this amazing work. And uh, so many people wanted to get healed. He's got to stay out of the cities. All of his healings, you know, were that he might be directing people's hearts to the greater infirmity that we have of sin and the need to be healed of that. That was his primary purpose. So he's coming to heal people physically so that they can now be open and be available to the spiritual healing, the greater healing that he was bringing to us. What an amazing God we have, right? All right, let's look over at Charles Spurgeon. Psalm 145, 19. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him, and he will hear their cry and will save them. His own spirit has wrought this desire in us, and therefore he will answer it. It is his own life within which prompts the cry, and therefore he will hear it. Those who fear him are men under the holiest of influence, and therefore their desire is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Like Daniel, they are men of desires, and the Lord will cause them to realize their aspirations. Holy desires are grace in the blade, and the heavenly husbandman will cultivate them till they come to the full corn in the ear. God-fearing men desire to be holy, to be useful, to be a blessing to others, and so to honor their Lord. Their desire supplies for their need, help under burdens, guidance and perplexity, deliverance and distress, and sometimes this desire is so strong and their case so pressing that they cry out in agony like children in pain. And then the Lord works most comprehensively and does all that is needful according to his word and will save them. Yes, if we fear God, we have nothing else to fear. If we cry to the Lord, our salvation is certain. Let the reader Lay this text on his tongue and keep it in his mouth all the day. And it will be to him as a wafer made with honey. That's beautiful. Keep it on your tongue all the day long. God's desire is to cleanse you and and heal you, all those who cry out to him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this day. And the things that you desire to do the rest of this week, we commit this time and we commit our week to you. And we ask God that you will continue to use us to bring your light and your peace and your healing to those around us. We're so grateful for the knowledge we have that has been given to us from above. We desire to walk in it, God. We desire to be baptized in your Holy Spirit. Touch us, God, and, and not to make us weird or to be some type of weird show in a service. What we desire is the power of your Spirit to then work through us to reach others and help them see the reality, to see you, to understand you, to come to you and let you touch them and be healed inwardly as well as outwardly. Thank you, Father, for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. 
All right, guys, look forward to seeing you tomorrow. If you want to join us on the live feed, just go to calvarypv.com and hit watch live or YouTube live, Facebook live, Twitch, whatever you want to use, even X. So we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. God bless.